Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 384, covering The War Without, The War Within, with Gab Brown. Hi, friends. We're, we're getting near the end. We're, mm-hmm. we're at the penultimate episode. I, I love saying penultimate. I don't know why. The penultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> and uh, Gav is here to help uh, penultimate this... Pen- oh, boy. I don't know where I was going with that. Mm-hmm. Hi, Gav. Hi. The penultimate is mightier than the pen sword. Ultimate. The pen sword. Pen swordament. <laughs> There must be a pen sword, like, the same way there's, like, a sword cane, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure you I used see. to be able to buy it through, like, Highlander magazine or something. <laughs> well, they could, they I, could I go was... Frank Drebin stabbed a, an octopus with a pen. That was kind of a sword. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. And it was, um, <laughs> it was, uh, what's his name's pen, too? Um, uh, Ricardo Montalban. Yes, Ooh. There's our Star Trek connection. And you will see that my pen is mightier than the sword. I no, he, grow fatigued. He was <laughs> pretending not to be the bad guy for most of that movie, so... Please, it's like, Ricardo oh. Montalban. <laughs> yeah, I know. But no, I, don't know. Was, I am not was, pure evil. What do you see? Go on with you. He could be a good guy you. in one of the Planet of the Apes. For some reason. Wasn't? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he played like a circus guy who oh, looked after God, the... Oh, God, that's right! Mon- the, the, I don't know, the offspring of those two monkeys. Of, oh, was in it? Like, in, like, Planet of the Apes 5 or something. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, I've only seen the original. I haven't seen all the uh, all the other ones. By that point, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard it was a real diminishing returns thing. The first one is excellent, the second one's pretty good, and mm-hmm. so on. There are some other good Planet of the Apes movies in there. That one is not it. Ah. Well, it's, come on, it's Ricardo Montalban. How could you fail? I would recommend the third one, Where the Apes Come to Earth. All along, well, it, they were always on Earth. That's that was the whole point. Spoilers, I guess. <laughs> oh my God, Statue of Liberty! <laughs> I just got that. So, there was there was a whole musical about it, Matt. Come what on. a good movie! Why don't they make that bloody musical? That's yeah, an excellent question. I probably because there's no Phil Hartman. If he was still around, I bet they would. Yeah. Probably. Or, uh, it wouldn't be the same without him. Or I'm that checking be, in. That would be like mm, also his, good. his spam a lot, basically. Like he, <laughs> yeah. Now that he's like seventy or whatever, he just tours around with "Stop the Planet of the Apes." I want to get off. <laughs> I, I mean, this play has everything. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the good news for us on Discovery is we are finally out of the mirror universe. We we have some some fun stuff to deal with. So, Gav, why don't you start by telling us what happens in the excellently titled. The War Without, The War Within. I will do. Saru, who is pleased that Burnham has brought Mirror Giorgio aboard, has Giorgio confined and no one will speak of it again. No one. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone's favourite Trojan human is human again. Probably. He had an operation and now I've been Vok blocked. He shows remorse <laughs> for what he, Vok, the writers did. Everyone is now confused as the point of that storyline. Suddenly, a boarding party of Andorians, Admiral Cornwell, and Sarek beams onto the Discovery. Rather than ask them what's been happening, Sarek mind mills with Saru. He should have just watched the CBS app. 
It turns out, while Discovery was living it up in the Mirror Mirror Land, a third of Starfleet was destroyed. Whoops. The Discovery jumps to Starbase 1, but before you can say Mr. Saru's threat gangly, it's been taken over by Klingons. Cornwell asked Laurel how they can make peace with the Klingons. Turns out they can't. They're just like end-of-level bosses. They'll, they'll just have to defeat them. Giorgio, with customary subtlety, suggests they destroy Kronos. Cornwall somehow agrees. Meanwhile, Burnham and Sarek have a heart-to-heart -heart chat, or heart-to-mind at any rate, after which Burnham visits Tyler and it goes about as well as you can imagine. Speaking of bad ideas, Cornwall announces to the crew about their mission to Kronos and that Captain Giorgio, or to give her a full title, Space Hitler, will lead. Yeah, the, the last shot is just like Giorgio pretending to be good Giorgio again. Just like, I'm not evil. I was going to say, very good. <clears throat> she, you, for, most of the, for most of this episode, and I think I made this my good thing, like mm -hmm. Giorgio spends most of this episode clearly watching everybody. Like she mm -hmm. moves through a room like a shark. She's clearly had a single moment of confusion in the prime universe before she <laughs> starts looking for ways to conquer the place again. Yep. And just like I can just see her at the end of the episode going like they gave me a ship. <laughs> well, Are you on, on the phone to her mirror mirror friends? <laughs> they they gave me a ship. I you guys. Yeah. Not for nothing. You guys know I killed a billion people, right? I don't mean just blew up, sh up planets and stuff. I personally with that sword killed a billion people. Also, not just any ship, but a ship that they have said repeatedly is one of the most valuable to the war effort. Like, losing it for several months made them lose the war because it's so important. Mm -hmm. You got, like, a perfectly uh, you got like a perfectly good Kelpian over here who's willing to run the place. That's right, I'm totally willing to run the place. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Before that, we're gonna, we're gonna try this instead. We're gonna put the monster in charge. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, this was the last, like, the, the big cling, uh, the big cling hanger is what I almost uh -huh. said. The big cliffhanger at the end of the episode, so we'll talk more about it next time. Sure. But, it's, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Not a good idea. Really? Really? Well, we're desperate. Um. Uh, are we that desperate, though? Are we? <laughs> yeah, and in fact, this is my bad thing. Using her... To help defeat the Klingons is not a good idea. Like, I know that's the whole point. How far will we go to win? How dark do we have to be to be defeat the darkness, which symbolizes darkness? It's a line they walked with Cisco in, in the Pale Moonlight. And the reason that episode worked is because it was such a hard choice that very slowly and carefully they walked us through it every step. We saw a dude we'd gotten to know for six years make a heavy decision that would affect every life we'd seen in Star Trek to that point. But here it's not really earned. We've known these people for 14 weeks. We've already seen them do some fairly brutal stuff. And now we're taking tactical advice from, as Gav said, Space Hitler. <laughs> There's a way to pull this off, but I don't feel like they've done that. Also, if they do bring Mirror Giorgio back in the capacity they've hinted at, like there was a deleted scene that shows what happens to her, yeah. you know, after, uh, I'm going to hate this even more. Yeah. That, that may just end up being a deleted scene. It may not be canon, but they've implied that it's not a spoiler because it didn't really happen. They've implied that she will go on to work for Section 31, and I don't want that. Yeah. No, I I don't want any more Mirror Universe shenanigans, and I really don't want any of that Section 31 bullshit, but I I kind of think George, evil Giorgio makes a very interesting, very credible threat that I would not mind seeing more of. Yeah, but it's so stupid that she'd be a threat because they just let her go. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like, and that's a small spoiler for next week, but so what? It's a bad plan, guys. You're making a bad plan. Yeah. That doesn't really spoil anything in terms of plot or character development. It's just after what happens, they set her free, Mm -hmm. just like they promised in this episode. Like, what? Come on. It's not not the best. Not, not look not to keep bringing this up, but a billion people, yeah, <laughs> with that sword. But there there is another side to this, which is uh, Gav. This is kind of your good thing, like the the idea that that they are doing all this crazy stuff, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll say this: they never play it safe. There's never a danger of a plot point becoming stale because if you wait a minute, there's another three coming. <laughs> so mm. it does at least keep it interesting, confusing too. One could argue, but that's another matter. In this episode alone, we had war being lost, Cornwell and Sark beaming on, Michael and Tyler, the Spores, Captain Giorgio and Kronos, you get from Orbit, only way to be sure. And, mm-hmm. and that's just in the one episode. Yep. Yeah. No, it's it reminds me a bit of, I've, I've compared the show to The Good Place before, which seems like a strange thing to do because they're nothing alike. But one thing that show does, and does very well, mm-hmm. is deliver huge twists when you don't expect them, like you get what feels like a season end cliffhanger in episode three of a season Mm -hmm. and they constantly blow up their own premise and, and Oh yeah. You know, go somewhere completely new. And this show feels like it's trying to do that. And I don't know that it's always very successful. Well, the problem there is that the good place has the best writers working today. And I mean, look, I like discovery. I'm not, I'm not trying to slam it or anything, but uh, it's, it does not have the writers of the good place. I, it to me it just feels like they haven't figured out what they want it to be yet. Yeah, like, there's a lot of good ideas here. There's a lot of great characters here. They just haven't really found a tone that works for I, them or a set of plots that work for I them. I really think heading into season two, like it, it's a good like now that the war's won, it's a uh, it's going to be a really good setting to sort of like okay, let's get back to doing like discovery stuff. You know, I I hope so. I don't know, Gav. This is this is you know your episode for this season. We haven't heard your thoughts to date. What do you what do you think of the show, like broadly speaking? Broadly speaking, uh, I quite like it. Mm-hmm. I, like, if, like if it wasn't re- well, I am, but I mean, if it wasn't reviewing it, I would watch it. Mm-hmm. It's not like Enterprise. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean well, that's not really not saying much, like is it? it? Um, yeah, but there are things that like like uh, that Vok thing with. Tyler and everything. They're just yeah. some mm-hmm. things that feel stupid and they don't mm-hmm. seem to have a point to them. But there's things that happen. Well, yeah, and I, I didn't want to assume that you're, you know, you feel exactly the same way we do about that stuff. I mean, you know, like maybe there are things we complain about that you're like, no, that's pretty good. Like, so you're you're not a big fan of these Klingons either, then? The, well, it's just, I don't mind the Klingons if they didn't speak as much. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we haven't seen them in the last, what, like the last couple of episodes, have we? Really? Yeah, that's true. So it hasn't been too bad. I just don't. No, but really early in the season, speech, they... like Shakespearean speeches from them, because I don't see the point in that. Right. Uh, but yeah, just I don't understand the point of Laurel's plan and everything. It just doesn't seem to get us anywhere. We're back where we started. Yeah. But... No, and we get a whole scene in this episode with her and um, Admiral Cornwell where. She, like, Laurel lays out her plan point by point. This is what I intended to do. And that was the that was their opportunity to finally make sense of it, and they didn't. It, like, it never made sense to us the whole time, and they could have said, okay, well, here's here's what was really going on. Mm-hmm. And we'd be like, well, I wish that was a little more clear, go, you know, 
like all along, but at least now it makes sense to me. They still didn't. It still didn't make yeah. sense. I want to see Cornwell just like, that was your plan? Yeah. That's well, a bad actually, plan, that's, Davey. You made a bad that, plan. That's actually my good thing. Mm-hmm. Is I'm sure I've mentioned before how much I enjoy her, but she has some really great moments in this episode. That scene in particular. Laurel starts in with her whole, we're protecting the Klingon way of life thing, and Cornwell just sort of rolls her eyes uh-huh. and says, ah, that's a bunch of crap. We're not doing that. And she completely sells it. It reminds me of all those times we yelled at our screens at the Maquis. Yep. Just find a planet. Only there's <laughs> an actual character on screen saying what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I want Saru to be captain now, like I think most of us do. But if Cornwell was plan B, I'd be all right with that. Like, I know she's an admiral and she has more important things to do, but I like the character. Yeah. So I, I also like that people in this show aren't flawless. Yes. yes, very much so. Yes, you know, like, I think... like TNG, they could do no wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. Or, or if they did do wrong, it was like, like the episode, that was why. But there's like several decisions all the time that are completely stupid, but people make them and then move on. Oh, our main protagonist cannot make a good decision. Yeah, Everything no. she does is just a mess. I love that about her. Uh-huh. I, I think, though, that there is a difference between flawed characters and just making everything dark all the time. Like I think DS nine walked that line a little better because those characters were all flawed, but Starfleet in general was still sort of hopeful and optimistic. And this show, I feel like they're losing that a little bit. Well, one of the things I like about this show, and I've talked about this before is that like the people on it who have the flaws are getting better, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's good like serialized storytelling Mm -hmm. you have an arc where someone has something wrong a conflict and then they resolve the conflict like michael comes onto this ship as a complete fucking mess as we've said numerous times and she meets a a ship full of messes mostly mostly because they lork has been in charge for a while (laughs) ruining (laughs) things Uh uh-huh and we get to you know the this the season is about these people watching these people get better and eventually outgrow and throw him into a hole (laughs) right and you know that's one of the things i've really enjoyed about this show no i agree that said michael's still dealing with a lot of stuff and everyone in this episode is pushing her to lieutenant ash tyler like you got to talk to him you got to talk to like really she just got back from Mm -hmm. doing something really stupid just now yeah she brought Giorgio back which was a big mistake and now you're saying go talk to your boyfriend who was really an undercover agent for the people who killed your parents mm-hmm. and who just tried to kill you like maybe that's not a good idea maybe yeah. give her a little space there <laughs> maybe they're yeah. just thinking look she can't make her own decisions we'll just have to make them for her mm-hmm. that's that's a good point yeah maybe <laughs> just someone... Saru just shows up just like okay michael you clearly you cannot do this on your own so yeah <laughs> just i'm just gonna tell you what to do for a while all right yeah exactly um, no, and I think. Order. <laughs> well, she's not technical. Like she's still just a specialist. She's not mm-hmm. actually, you know, she she doesn't get the dignity of being like an officer who can resign or whatever. She's still technically a prisoner and everything. So she would have to listen to mm-hmm. him, right? I guess. I think everyone's a little too forgiving of Lieutenant Ash Tyler, but Matt, this is actually your the second thoughts you came up with. Right? I kind of love watching Starfleet come together for Lieutenant Ash Tyler, like. From the start of the episode, Saru sort of views him, like, as a victim, not as a spy. Like, they're not concerned mm-hmm. with 
who he was, just who he is. And while I find that incredibly naive, I also mm-hmm. think it's very beautiful, and I kind of want that from Starfleet. I like that Starfleet optimism about the idea of Saru's line about refusing to imprison an innocent man just because of what of who he used to be. The, mm-hmm. the scene where Tilly and then the rest of the crew just gather around him to make him feel welcome is really nice, and it's a huge evolution for a character who was uncomfortable sitting next to Michael because of how that might look. Mm-hmm. Like, even Stamets, who lost a goddamn boyfriend due to Tyler, is willing to, like, not forgive him clearly, but just, like, still work with him, I guess? Mm-hmm. Like, I... So, like, this forgiveness and acceptance, I think, should really be part of an ideal Stark fleet. And it's good to see in a show that seems to really want to embrace a lot more the darker parts of Star Trek that the good guys can still want to help this person. Well, and it's like I've said, the the formula for DS9 was there's a lot of dark things happening, but Mm -hmm. good people are trying to make it better. Yeah. I think that's what works if you want to do dark stuff. Yeah. It's just, it seems like such an easy way out to just, like, have all these people just... Oh, you're you're a Klingon. You're a monster. We want you out of here. Like, right. I, I I really like seeing them be like, well, that was that's not you anymore. Like, no, yeah. it is very Starfleet yeah. in the way that we like. Yeah. I think it's just like uh, Picard and Akutus. Exactly. It, yes. A lot of this whole thing feels very Picard to me in a lot of different ways. Mm. Like, I did, I wasn't thinking of that situation. That's very good. But generally speaking, Picard treated a lot of people like that. Where. Uh, when, for instance, Necheyev said, let's kill the Borg, and he's like, well, wait, no, let's not do that. Like, he was always the advocate for, yeah, these people are bad, but let's not be monsters. We're Starfleet, we don't genocide. Uh, That's, we're Starfleet, we don't (laughs) genocide. Right, I can see how you might misread that. Mm. (laughs) I mean, if people are going to keep forgetting, maybe we should have a sign. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Starfleet. It has been three days since our last genocide. <laughs> Welcome to, we're from Starfleet. We don't genocide. Yeah, shut up, Wesley. <laughs> On the other hand, I mean, Gav wasn't uh, wasn't Doctor Who famous for his uh, for his leaving <laughs> planets to die? Uh, well, that's a consequence of being on the air for 50 years. You sort of <laughs> ah. end up with baggage. <laughs> Or or rubble that used to be baggage. Yes, exactly. It's it's just like Spider Man because on Batman because they capture so many people and then put them in prison. But because mm-hmm. it's a comic book, they always have to come out again. So it's like, why bother doing that? And then that becomes part of the mythos itself. Oh, the Joker's escaped and killed another thousand people. Good work, Batman. Yeah, yeah, nice job. No, that that's a good point. Like the 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 form kind of forces you to to deal with that mm-hmm. reality. That's. That's cool. I like that. Um, what'd you come up with for a bad thing, Gav? Why I came up just before the credits, uh, with the bit with uh, Sarek, the opening mind melding. Yes, um, mind melding with Saru. Uh, he he announces after that Captain Lorca is dead, and then we go straight into the credits with suitable dramatic dramatic irony. Oh yeah, well, that's that's our big dun 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 moment. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. We we saw it last week. It was a pretty big deal from what from what I remember. It would have been better if they ended it just as they beamed in. It might as they might as well have just said you're Captain Saru and then cut the credits. I think I think what they were saying was that our Lorca is dead, but 
still, we kind of assumed that. Yeah, we 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 know. <laughs> yeah, we know. I mean, I wish he all wasn't. Lorcas are dead. Yeah, in every reality, just all... like just like every hue. What even what even Lorca? All of the Lorcas are dead, Dave. <laughs> well, what about Lorca? All of the Lorcas are dead, Dave. Even Lorca? Even, especially Lorca. I mean, we, we you know, speaking of Red Dwarf, we Bart. did get that. <laughs> this is Mirror for the Lorca, the. <laughs> now, speaking of Red Dwarf, we had that scene at the beginning where they're painting the hull back so it says USS again instead of ISS. Mm-hmm. And it's a long shot of one guy in a spacesuit holding, you know, in, in this case, a, a, a paint. Well, I guess it was a paint brush in the in red dwarf yeah. also right so yeah it just looked very much like that hard not to hear that no, I'm just what, play. Yeah, exactly uh that just reminds me of how much saru originally reminded me of Crichton. <laughs> i got over that but originally it seemed like his whole role was to just tell everyone why everything was a bad idea and be really uptight i could absolutely see him right away mom yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, he grew beyond that. Uh-huh. But... Uh, what else? Uh, what else indeed? Uh, I did have a like, problem with uh, Cornwell and Sarek always saying when they saw Giorgio, she looks very much like her alternate self. You know, the resemblance <laughs> is striking. Yes, that's... That's what happens in the alternate universe. They all look the same. Uh-huh. Yeah, they are the same people, but in a different timeline. They yeah. they have the same DNA. They're the same people. Yeah. It's not like someone sat down and made her out of marble or anything. It's just yeah. they're, they're, they're the same person. Yeah, you put a different shirt on her. So, <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know why. I just expected her to have a beard. <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment when... Um, they're explaining all this to um, to the Starfleet guys who beam on Cornwell and Sarek and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And Cornwell's particularly upset because she trusted Lorca. Then she knew something was wrong and didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Obviously, she also slept with him. There's a, there's a whole complicated tangle of things going there. And the way she chooses to react is uh, phaser vaporizing his bowl of uh, fortune cookies. I just I want to see that like the guy like the guy sitting around the table just like I want to eat some of those. Yeah, I thought you brought no, it's, snacks. It's a weird way to deal with her complex emotions. On the other, shooting a bowl of cookies. On the other hand, it's not like it's the first time someone in Star Trek has shot something stupid to prove a point. I seem to I remember some dude shooting his own uniform to show that he was not going to go back to Starfleet. Oh, right. That was uh, Ben's friend in the yeah. Maquis. And then uh, I was thinking of Star Trek Six when they uh, oh, yeah, so were it. in the mess and vaporized the pot and there was still some dough inside. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna eat that dough? I think that's it was because the it only was... pot we have. <laughs> Has anyone seen the pot? Oh yeah, Chekhov vaporized it to prove a point. Well, that's great. How the hell are we supposed to make soup? <laughs> We're in deep space. We can't just go to get another pot. How are we supposed to make soup? Make what? Sorry, sorry, space soup. Yeah. <laughs> Some fucking help? He shows up. I hear you guys need pots. Oh no, space uh. pots. These space pots are gonna kind of come with some sort of horrible deal that I don't know about. <laughs> Does it help that he said he vaporized it? No, that makes it worse. <laughs> that makes it worse. Ah, Chekhov, you are not invited to space soup night. <laughs> but I look forward to space soup night every week. 
<laughs> you are also not invited, Mr. Spock, because last time we gave you soup, well, we know what happened there. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, my bad thing. Oh, yeah. What do you got? So we addressed this a little bit last week, but uh, Stamets does sure not feel like a man whose boyfriend just died yesterday. Like, nope. he's not exactly chipper or anything, and the scene with him, like I said before, the scene with him and Lieutenant Ash Tyler is pretty good, but... Man, there just feels like there is nothing there. Like, I realize there's a lot going on, but a main character's lover is dead. That needs to carry some weight, and it just does not. I don't think he feels chipper until they start plotting this uh, mushroom thing. Mm -hmm. You know, this uh, uh, creating a whole asteroid full of of new spores. And then he's excited again. Yeah. Like, I get that he's into his work and he's excited, but again... Like, you just lost someone close yeah. to you, man. Ugh. On the other hand, I could totally see him seeing this as a, uh, like, okay, well, I can concentrate on this thing. Yeah, give him a line to say that. Yeah, no, we mm. need to We need to hear about that. Like, you guys are on CBS All Access. The one good thing about that is that you have all the time you need. Yeah, an episode can be as long as you want it to be. Throw this guy a couple of minutes to, like, talk about his feelings or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, there was that episode that was 38 minutes. Just shove it in there. Yeah. Yeah. If he was, oh, it wasn't dead then or alive. I can't no, remember. No, I believe that was the episode where he dealt with it, where he was talking to the, like, the, the spectral mushroom yeah, version of Yeah, that's the one where they get to have their talk in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, so that's the I, only, I guess the only time. zone at this point. <laughs> the only time they, um. Oh, was that a Mario 2 reference because oh, of the yeah. dreams? That's that's very good. Uh-huh. That's very good. I almost missed I go that. deep, man. Mario 2. <laughs> yeah, but usually when you go too deep, I, I miss it because I don't play a lot of video games, but I got that one. Fucking, yeah, um, I can make wart references. Yeah. Or Birdo. You guys want to talk about Birdo? Mm, I... No. Shy guys? Spitits? <laughs> I forget what the snakes are called. Uh, the three-headed ones are called triclides. Triclides, Mauser, mm-hmm. um, Sparky. <laughs> you were listening to the post-atomic <laughs> Matt names Mario characters. I would listen to that podcast and produce it. Nope. But the episode <laughs> they did where he dealt with his grief was the very short one, mm-hmm. which kind of feeds into what you're saying. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like, all that's they need the to only do time. is have him in his, in his cabin. And yes, it can be dark. Um, just <laughs> sort of... Uh, crying or whatever and then yeah. that, that would show yeah. that he's still dealing with it but it, but because he's out in the you know dealing with the job and the war and everything he's still trying to make ends meet yeah yeah and then the and then he's summoned to the bridge and he's gotta like you get a moment where he's gotta suck it up and yeah. stop crying and go to work like that would be nice and i know the actor could pull that off yeah that, and it wouldn't take very long yeah i honestly no. stamets feels a little underused for the last half of the season like i think he's felt underused the whole time personally all but. right like, I think they, there could be more him doing stuff, mm-hmm. like, even back when he was kind of happy. All right. He feels like he should be after, you know, after Michael and Saru, he should be the next main character. Definitely. But uh, hopefully next season. Yeah. Put a lot of and... a lot of faith into next season. This is starting <laughs> to feel like, star, like uh, star Trek Into Darkness again. Uh, it sure is. Uh-huh. Uh, Gev, what are your thoughts on the whole, like, uh, uh, Stamets and, and Hugh thing? Uh, to be honest, yes, they, they probably shouldn't have. I mean, great that they have two gay characters, but then obviously Finally. they kill one. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So they've still got one. 
Yeah. But yeah, it's it does seem to be always the gay characters that get killed. So yeah, I right. don't understand why it couldn't have been anyone else, unless they I don't know. Are they wanting him to be single? Is that the point? You know, for future episodes if, or something? I just if I that just were don't the case. <laughs> yeah, if that were the case, I'd be okay with introducing him as a single gay character and yeah. then watching him date people. That would be fine. But, but like to, to yeah. like he's the only character on the show in a relationship, and then to end that five yeah. episodes, in, like they kill yeah. they kill him real fucking fast. Mm-hmm. Like, like we it, barely it, got to know his name. We didn't know much about the character yeah, himself. It just it, then, it, it yeah. just seems like a wait like a waste. Yeah. Yeah. And, plus, you know. plus they're the only two that we know of on the bridge that are actually in a relationship. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone yeah. else is. No, I don't think anyone else in this show. I mean, uh, um, Cornwell had a thing with Lorca, but that's all over. Yeah, well, that's it. I don't... For, for a variety of reasons. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and and I guess Michael and Lieutenant Ash Tyler, but again, that's kind of over for some similar <laughs> yeah. reasons. I wish it was. I mean, not for nothing, but uh, the fact that you forgot about it speaks a lot about that relationship, Al. And it was a main focus of this episode. It might have been the primary plot mm-hmm. thread of this episode. Uh-huh. None of us were immediately thinking about it. Well, I mean, when Ash Tyler is not on camera, I tend to forget that he exists. Yeah. Yeah. As a way of fading from the memory, like a Back to the Future photo. They did a lot of trying, like, scenes with him where they're trying to make us, like, feel sympathetic now. And, Mm -hmm. like, I get that. Like, it it feeds into what you're saying, Matt. Like, we have to feel that way, too, to, to buy that other characters are doing it. I just didn't. And I think it's the actor. Yeah. Cuz there's a lot of like he's looking sad and he's looking soulful and like he he when he talks to Stamets you can see he's trying to look tortured like God, dude I didn't know what I was doing and I'm so sorry but I just don't think the actor pulls it off. I would very much like to we've talked a lot about how we can't find anyone who's sort of interested in the Klingons. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested to see to hear from uh someone who liked uh Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Yeah, me too. Because it just, it might not, it just might be something that I personally am not connecting with. But uh, we've talked to a lot of people so far who do not care for this guy. Yep. I don't hate him. No, I don't either. But like, it just, it feels like there's just, there's nothing there. Yeah, he doesn't bring anything to the story. And like we've said before, the story of two different people actually being secretly evil undermined each other. Yeah. The one interesting thing about him ended up being better when they did it with Lorca, and mm-hmm. I didn't like it there either. Yeah. So, yeah, and also Michael, as we have said, should not be dating because she's a mess. Well, I mean, even that in itself could be like if he was just a normal crew member who happened to not be a good fit for her. That's mm-hmm. interesting. That's an interesting plot line. But like you muddy everything up by ha- adding all this Klingon crap. No, and and. Like we talked about weeks ago when uh, they dealt with all his PTSD stuff, that could have been an interesting yeah. thing. Just dealing with a Starfleet guy not prepared for war mm-hmm. having to deal with the horrors of war. That's an interesting story, but they didn't do that either. Like adding the Klingon thing like just makes it the most important thing about the character, and it's not interesting enough to support the character. Yep. And I don't know if I've mentioned, but it doesn't make any sense. That too. <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't. It never will. Spoilers for next week, it never will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I assume yeah. the whole point of this season's Klingon stuff was to get the Klingons to somewhere where we recognize them from the original series or something. 
well, you know, somewhere I mean, near that anyway. I would like There that. had been vague hints that there had been a war prior to the original series and that bad shit went down and we were at a stalemate now. It was like it was supposed to be the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be like right now things are tense but not actively fighting. But prior to that, there was some bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see wanting to explore that. Personally, if you're going to go back, I would rather explore the Romulan War. But I get where they're coming from, I yeah. guess. I just don't care that much well this gets back to the whole like this is the the thing i've been talking about since the the with the movies like they use the klingons because the klingons are the thing everyone's heard of yeah but they change them so much that they're not a thing anyone recognizes anyway yeah i don't understand that but if like, the point of them is to be the familiar thing to latch onto, then make them look like wharf because that's the klingons most people know well the thing the thing is like if the whole idea is to pull in new new like new viewers who ju- who have just heard about Star Trek? It doesn't fucking matter yeah. what the Klingons look like as long as you call them Klingons. I mm. guess. But also, you should probably have more than one show on your app. Probably. Uh, also, that. and they probably shouldn't all be Star Trek. Yeah, probably. Well, Twilight Zone's coming, so that's something. So, so basically, they're just making shows from the sixties. Yeah, yeah. Remaking good shows from the sixties and hoping that they're still good. Really looking forward to the new My Mother the Car. <laughs> I hope they make Mr. Ed. Which, which now that I think about it, is probably a Knight Rider reboot. What, Mr. Ed? <laughs> yes, Mr. Ed. <laughs> I was I was rewatching an old episode of BoJack. And they I was did watching, a, re-watching well, an old episode of Mr. Ed. I, look, I watched a lot of that when I was a kid. But I was watching an episode of BoJack, and they did a one-off joke of like Mr. Ed being in an old folks' home and asking if Wilbur was going to be there. And it got me thinking what Mr. Ed is in their world where horses already talk and... That was a weird rabbit hole that made make, me feel like I was a, stoned. It, it would just be a sitcom. I guess. Right? Like, it's just a show with a horse. Yeah, but the whole point of that show was he was, like, it would trying be the, to cover up. It would be up. the old couple. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the whole angle of him covering up that he has a talking horse in his barn would go away, because, you know, that's not unusual. <laughs> and I don't see something I, in a fair with the horse. Oh, there you go. Also, no, I, p- while I have this space to talk about this, um, how come on on his how come on horse and around his name was just the horse? I don't know. That's really started to bug me. The further and further we get into this universe. <laughs> so what you're saying is that's too much, man? Yeah, that's too much, man. Okay. Well, uh, we could ask else? the writers. You know, see if they know things. Do they know things? <laughs> Let's find out. What do they know? Let's find out. <laughs> Uh, anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Matt? Uh, no, I think that's everything. All right, then let's do... In the past of the future. Why bother speaking to each other anymore when you can just have everyone mind meld your thoughts? Think of how much time you'd save. Also <laughs> privacy. <laughs> Ugh. This is the thing we've been complaining about since probably the original series. The first real bad example I remember is from Star Trek VI when... Yeah. Uh... Spock does it to Valeris. But... And they make a big deal out of it then. And they've like a- after yeah. that they just it just is a matter of matter of course now. Like no one Yeah, I shit. mean it's established Star Trek, but it's terrible every time they do it yep. and it hasn't gotten any better. Yeah. Just But it like... was a big thing in the original series, wasn't it? It was a big thing that Spock had this extra ability that no one else mm-hmm. had that he could read people's thoughts, but also most of what I remember is consensual. Like yeah. he would say I'm going to meld with you now. Yeah. He wouldn't just but, do but it. But now in the past, it's not a big thing. <laughs> well, I think on the original series, it was a big thing because no one knew any Vulcans. Yeah. Spock 
Spock had this weird thing that no one else knew about. Mm. That's my guess. He's the magic guy. Yeah. But then also in, you know, if we're going with the Trek timeline, like in Enterprise, Vulcans didn't even know how to meld. It Mm. was just becoming a thing that they were remembering. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. What a stupid thing. What a bad show. I I didn't completely hate that, actually, that some of their weird mystical stuff got lost in, you know, because it feels not like it it doesn't feel real if you say it out loud. Mm -hmm. And also someone shows you how to do it. You're like, oh, this actually is a real thing. mm -hmm. And also it was another thing for them to be racist about. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. But but the melding being lost in history kind of makes sense. Yeah, that didn't bother me. All right. Uh, Matt, what do you got? In the past of the future, putting genocidal monsters in charge of important starships is a really good idea. They're Uh, thinking outside the box, uh, which they will blow up next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is this is something we will talk about at length. (laughs) Because, of course, we know the Borg already. Why wouldn't we? Um, And mine is uh, in the past of the future. The Genesis device already exists, but only in a very specific application where it grows glowy mushroom trees. I'm okay with that. No, I didn't. I didn't hate that, actually. Like, they went and terraformed a... Was it an asteroid or a planetoid? It wasn't like a full planet, I don't think. uh, To grow spores for the... the, um, I almost called it the thumb drive. Yes, the thumb drive. (laughs) Yes. The uh, the jump drive. We need more thumbs for the thumb drive. (laughs) Yeah, they grew a bunch of thumbs. Oh, gross. Then they harvested the thumbs. Oh, I hate it. Shoveled them in like coal. Oh. Yeah. And then, no, they, I, I and then they mined that. them. Oh. Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't really talk about that. The the Klingon homeworld who which actually does get a name here. They yep. don't just say the Klingon homeworld. Um is apparently has a series of caves and my theory is that uh we already saw with Praxis they just mine until it falls apart mm-hmm. and they did that with Kronos as well. It's just like didn't used to be like that. They just dug and dug until it almost fell apart. See, my theory is that Klingons view mining as fighting the earth. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It was a glorious battle. Songs will be sung of our deeds. Hi ho, hi ho. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to no, think I... of a tungsten carbide drill joke, and I'm just not coming to me. Duh. It's um it is an interesting plan though, and mm. we'll we'll see how it goes next week. The idea that they're going to uh use the spore drive to jump inside the caves in Kronos. Like that's a I like when the ship goes places it's not supposed to go. Yep. Like and they do this a lot in the Abrams movies, actually. Like uh it went underwater and you know, into the atmosphere and stuff like that. I I enjoy seeing the ship not just in space yeah. but in other strange places. That's what that's if it was cool also a submarine? <laughs> yeah then all the submarine <laughs> metaphors would just be literal what if it was in the basement of your house i don't know if i have room for a constitution class ship maybe maybe discovery i'm not sure how big it is i might have to move the table hang on yeah i'd probably have to move the treadmill but then I'll... <laughs> please and don't dim, make me move the treadmill. dim the lights as well yes please. oh of course dim the lights except can't for the have glowing any shelf don't forget that of course I still want to know what's going to happen to Lurka's skeleton trophy room. I want it. But, okay, but you're not serving on Discovery, so you don't get to call dibs. Also, Discovery is not real, and I have no access to it. Michael will probably want it for some reason. Because mm. he some sees Ill- him as a father figure or something. Of course. Uh, probably. Oh, speaking of father figure, Sarek actually says some encouraging things to her. 
which is a bit out of character. It didn't bother me or anything, but like, wait, he knows how to be a supportive father. Where is this coming from? I saw that. And the only thing I could think of was him going, do you see that Spock right now? Michael is better than you. (laughs) (laughs) That feels right. No, the last thing he said was there's nothing wrong with being in love. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not bad advice. What what I would have followed it up with is except with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Being in love is fine, but find somebody better. I, I, you, you can do, you, you're supposed to marry a nice Vulcan boy. Yeah, look, I mean, humans are okay. I met your mother. That's, uh, that's, that's cool. But, uh, you know, maybe look for a Vulcan. How about that? <laughs> Sarakin, I met your mother. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to uh, tell again... you how in the first episode and get it out of the way. <laughs> well, it's very, you know, very Vulcan logical uh-huh. that way. Uh, Gav, you got a quote? I do. It's basically the end whenever uh, Cornwall announces who's going to be captaining the ship. So allow me to introduce you to the person who will chart your course to Kronos. Captain Philippa Giorgio. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And And... You know, you you can't see that in the audio version, obviously, but she's got this like menacing, like she looks like she's trying to look friendly, but also like she doesn't quite know how to smile. So it's a little unnatural is some very good face acting. I I, I love just like now. How do you people behave? Mm -hmm. Smile, but not don't do the smile where you're just going to kill them. No, genuine (sighs) smile. Okay, yeah, it's not an ironic smile. How is everyone? Well, now you just look like you're showing your teeth like an animal, like you're going to kill them. Yes, that's right. You know what? I'm going to come in again. <laughs> we actually got some good reaction shots from uh, Detmer as well, who mm-hmm. is uh, one of the lower crewmen uh, who was also on the Shenzhou, who goes through a nice, like in, in 10 seconds, goes through, what? Oh, my God, I thought she was dead. Oh, it's so great to have her back. Uh-huh. Oh, God, she's mean. <laughs> it was very good from, from the chick who plays Detmer. Yep. I like that a lot. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Mm-hmm. Gav, it is, it is a pleasure as always. Um, as always. All right. Well, that's all for this time. As as we have mentioned, next week is the finale. We are actually about to record it now. Yeah, because I have to go to Canada for Thanksgiving next week. Exciting for us. But uh, for, for you, next week, uh, the finale, Flonk will be joining us. Uh, until then, as, as we mentioned, we have a supplemental coming up. If you'd like to write to us, we have all kinds of things we'd love to talk about yep. with Discovery. Uh, post-atomic horror at gmail website as ever post-atomic horror.com tumblr post-atomic horror.tumblr.com we are on twitter at algar at robot matt uh and that is all for this time all right see you folks the post-atomic horror podcast is a co-production of ron algar watt and matt robotham copyright 2018 please don't sue us we're just doing this for fun